0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morantz, Joe Johnsons, John Jawraps, of course. We've got Jays. We got him for days. Josh, how are you doing?
1: I feel like I need to defend the integrity of the charge?
0: Oh boy! Listen, I like I only have one cup of coffee here. I mean, you gotta you gotta let me know if we're gonna get into situations like this because. It's time to, we got to strap in if we're going to talk about the integrity of the charge.
1: Have you seen this stuff? People calling for the charge to be removed from the sport?
0: I have not seen that. That's oh, an yeah. interesting decision.
1: After the Giannis situation and the Joss situation. Both of which, as far as I can tell. I'm not going to pretend like I actually know what a charge is anymore. They appear to be legitimate charges to me.
0: So is the idea being that if there wasn't a charge to try and take, those guys would have just gotten out of the way and neither would have gotten hurt? Yes. Okay. So. I think you're going where I'm going with this. <laughs> so so I don't, like, like, at what point is, like, that would be like, like, that's almost as fundamental as saying, you know what? Mm, uh, Tom Brady once tore his ACL because he got sacked. We should just take out sacks from football. And and no, to well, be fair, they, the, I mean, the, get, NFL, paid, the NFL, the yeah, NFL is, has, is <laughs> coming as about as close as they can <laughs> to removing the sack without actually removing it. But I like, and, and football is a great a great sport to bring into a conversation like this because, like, people want to get mad about how it's not as physical, and then when guys get hurt, turn around because we're not protecting the players enough. Like, like the NBA game could not be less physical like you couldn't you couldn't play less physical defense right with the rules of playing defense at this point so it, it, you just can't you can't not tell somebody to to contest a shot you just can't you like you can't do it like that is like what's the what's the what's the alternative what are, what are we going to do we're just going to like it's just getting to the front of the rim going to be 25 times more important than any other skill in basketball because you're not allowed to contest them if they get into the circle. Like, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense.
1: Zach, Zach Harper wrote an article basically saying we need to put some of the other defensive measures back in place at the expense of the charge, which was one suggestion as in like making and those kind of things, like making,
0: making physical defense more accessible so that there's less jumping really high and getting to the front of the room.
1: And and specifically, and if if
0: the momentum
1: and the weak the weak side charge thing, which I get, and I don't particular, and these like were both examples late, of, like
0: that kind of thing, yeah. like sliding. Now
1: I don't think though, again I'm not going to pretend like I know what a charge is anymore. <laughs> but those didn't seem to be two egregious examples where they slid in at the last minute. I watched them back a bunch of times to try and see it. It seemed like they were legit, which is where. Also, right, I, I there might be Well, there are probably a few things. There aren't many things in basketball that annoy me more than people that just fly toward the rim with no particular plan, which is why this irks me so much.
0: Man, you must because... hate Ja. You must you <laughs> must not find Jaw that talented
1: whatsoever. <laughs> I just now if you if you can make it work. See he makes it work most of the time, so that's okay. But just generally I and so that's what the charge is there for, is to mm-hmm. penalize people for doing that. And yeah, OK, if you want to say the weak side charge, because it's a lot of people just sliding in late, it's rewarding people for playing bad defense. I, I'm i fine with having a conversation about that. But the idea of the charge as a whole, yeah, because a couple people attacked the basket it's unfortunate they got hurt. I just I couldn't believe that there, this was a, a real suggestion coming up yesterday is that we need to Get rid of the charge. I, yeah, because at that point now, if you want to make some other trades, we can talk about that. But the, teams are going to score 150 points a game if you can't slide in and take a charge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's impossible to
0: stay in front of anybody. Right. Like it's impossible, like truly impossible.
1: And it's right if you have no nothing deterring you basically from. And one of the other things Zach Harper mentioned was move expanding the restricted arc, which I'm mm-hmm. also here for that. There there are ways that I can be okay with this, but just the fact that we're going after the charge is, as it being my favorite play in the sport, is never going to be okay with me.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely one of those things that, and I'm glad, and I haven't read Zach Harper's article, and generally I'm a fan of Zach Harper, so hearing you kind of describe some of the things that he's mentioned, I'm less appalled by the idea of Yeah, it, it wasn't than, just a,
1: we need to get rid of it. Tr- it's a, here's how we could do this better.
0: Right, better thing. right. Uh, because, I mean, you're right, it's kind of, it's it's kind of, it's the most effective form of defense right now, right? I mean, like, that's probably a pretty fair thing to say, that that to just get in the way of the guy who's now jumped up in the air and has no, you know, grounding whatsoever. And so you just stand in front of them and hope that the, you get the the call that you're looking for because you can't, because you can't slow them down in any real effective way. Like nobody on the planet can stay in, in front of John rank. Nobody, yeah. the, nobody on the planet, at least not and, one-on-one. So and just,
1: very, yeah. And very rarely do you actually get rewarded for going straight up and down. That's the other
0: part mm, of this. That's also true.
1: Right. Everybody always oh, contact going toward the rim. It's an, It's a defensive foul. Yeah. Now, some of them are defensive fouls. I just also see a lot of straight up and down that I feel like shouldn't be called foul. And I, I could I I just woke up this morning and started kind of looking around and reading the athletic and apparently that's the conversation we're having today. Is do we need to remove the charge?
0: That's an, that's an interesting. That is not that is that wouldn't be on my bingo card of responses yeah. from yesterday's. From yesterday's I mean the injuries would have been on my bingo card, so I guess it's injuries injuries adjacent. Right. But right. um but that one's interesting. Do you think and and the, the, the Nuggets won last night, so it this is a this is now a moot point. <laughs> but would that have been the first time like like I wouldn't be surprised if that was the first time ever on a four game day of round one game ones that all four home teams lost. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this This is going to be some playoffs because those seeds mean absolutely nothing except for a couple situations
0: which is which is, like it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough playoffs perhaps for the regular season.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100%.
0: Maybe not in the East cuz I I still think that like as long as like I I still think that for the most part like the Knicks might be the might beat the the Cavs, but that's a pretty that's a pretty six and one half dozen series for yeah, me. Yeah, that's
1: that's the cutoff, right? Because then you've got the Nets whose wins were, you know, collected by players no longer playing for the team. The Celtics are gonna destroy the Hawks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you've okay and the Heat don't count because they're clearly the most dangerous team down there. Yeah. But in the West, you're looking okay, I mean the Timberwolves aren't the eighth best team in the West if they're healthy. You know they missed Cat most of the season and are just getting you know your favorite the, the guy who's better than your point guard kind of acclimated to things. Mm. So they're they're more dangerous than your typical eight seed. I mean LeBron's the seven seed with a healthy Anthony Davis
0: and <laughs> Austin Reeves and and Reeves. And, right. and Rui Hachimura. In the post game <laughs> press conference yesterday, Des- Desmond Bain basically said that was Rui the best game of Rui's life. Let's see if he can do it again on Wednesday. I mean, that was very much a. I mean, LeBron that's, that's and AD combined for think. like 37. <laughs> like, yeah. And then Reeves, Rui, yeah. and D'Angelo, freaking Russell combined for 70. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah.
1: And then you got the Warriors down there. Yeah. It, the Kings are the three seed. It's. Did it's you a, watch
0: game one of the Kings series?
1: I watched the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. You
0: need, the EY EY the you need to watch every second of the rest of the series. You need to watch every second of the rest of the series. That's so good.
1: That is the series I have locked into 100%.
0: Oh, I yeah. think the Knicks Cavs is going to be really good for the yeah. duration as well. But mm-hmm. those two, those two series are going to be, and I suppose, I mean, I need the series to go along at this point in, in the, in the Grizzlies Lakers. So I'm, I'm hoping that <laughs> one is a, but I'm, I'm hoping, we, we, speaking of those injuries that, that perhaps Jock can come back in, in anywhere close to, to full strength, at least at some point. Okay. College basketball at some point i suppose we should this is not an nba podcast it used to be if you if you're if you're around from the nba slash college basketball days you've been around for you've been around for a while but um college basketball podcast and at some point we should we should turn our attention to to college basketball uh the transfer portal in full swing josh um starting to kind of get an idea of of what next year's rosters are are going to look like uh, at least the 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 bulk of them there are still some really really good players yeah the big fish are still out there for the most part right Um, you have a couple of guys uh, that have that have made their homes already but you know just going and looking at some of these transfer rankings I mean you'll see you know seven or eight of the top you know 10, 11, 12 guys still uh, still waiting to announce where they're going to play college basketball next season. So uh, still plenty left to go in that sense. but um, there's been some movement there and we'll talk about a couple things in the transfer portal. but first, Josh, we have to talk about kind of the the most striking news of of the last seven days in the sport and that's with uh, that's with top 20 recruit and Memphis signee mikey williams being involved in an incident in san diego where he allegedly fired a gun at a at a group of five people in a car that had that had according to his lawyer uh entered his home uninvited and uh things kind of escalated from there and here's mikey williams uh, in the news for reasons that Memphis fans were not hoping leading up to his tenure as a, as a tiger basketball player.
1: Yeah. it And these situations are always so difficult, obviously coming off the back of what happened with Alabama this season and just not having all of the details here. And you and I, I think are both are careful to try not to rush to too much judgment and, my first thing is just concern and sadness in situations like this, because specifically for somebody like him too, where you know he's he's kind of the first one who has done this nil thing from start to finish, right?
0: Certainly, one of them, yeah.
1: He's kind of the face of, at least on the if you want to say the Cavender twins are the face of nil on the men on the women's side, I would argue he's probably the face of nil on the men's side. He hasn't even played college basketball yet.
0: Yeah,
1: right. But he's already got, he's already got the endorsement deal. He's already, and I saw that he had deactivated his Instagram account, which is, you know, a source of income kind of yeah. thing. A
0: big, not a just big, a big part of why has he signed a deal with? I think it's a Puma guy. Is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right. Millions it's, of it's, followers. Right. Exactly. It's not just a. Here's me promoting myself on social media, building my brand. It's a which tells you kind of where things are at here. And so I just, that's my first, and it's kind of how I felt about John Morant too, is there's, and John even talked about this, just right. The the pressure that comes with all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I want to be cognizant of that first that, you know, I can't, I can't imagine what Mikey Williams day-to-day life is like and what this has been like for him as he kind of blazes this trail that nobody else has has done before. And now he basically gets to the end of it, and he's going to go to college, and then, and then this happened. So obviously, we need more information. It just—I hope this doesn't doesn't ruin everything. Because at this point, I'm just more concerned about his his future and his well-being more than anything else. And thankfully, nobody got hurt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there are certainly questions to be asked here about right what exactly uninvited means and how all of that went went down in terms of kind of evaluating the the situation itself, which obviously we just don't have that information, but yeah, just you just hate seeing things like this and it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wonder how, what if any role kind of just the, the realities he was living in as the guy making all of this NIL money before mm-hmm. he even went to college. And maybe it's completely unrelated. That's just where my head goes because I can't imi- imagine living that way day to day. And right, it's it's not like he's a five year NBA veteran who's experienced life as a professional. He's a teenager.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, the, he's teenagers aren't supposed to be living that
0: way. He, he went from, you know, physics class to a millionaire like right, overnight. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I I think I think there are a couple of things here. One I think that's where my head goes first as well is is this these unintended consequences that come with that come with a teenager having access to the kind of money that that Mikey Williams has access to. I mean, we talk about we talk about I mean we're Talking, we spent this season parts of this season talking about John Morant and all the money that he has, and that guy is, you know, five years older than Mikey Williams, and Mikey Williams' money is certainly not at the level that John Morant's money is at, but it's also, I'm sure, obscene amounts, <laughs> obscene amounts of
1: money. And, and he's got no, I mean, practically speaking, he's got no use for it. You know, what I mean, in terms of needing it to to pay bills and live day to day at
0: this mm. point. Right. Right. And, and just that, the, right. There's just, there's just pressure and responsibility that I'm sure comes with that. That mm-hmm. is, that is generally probably not talked about enough yeah. from a, like what that means for the pressure that a high school, a high school athlete now is under. And that doesn't, and, and, and I don't want that to come off as an excuse because the other part of this is that, we have to be very careful about what right there are a lot of terms here that i'd love to see defined explicitly mm-hmm. yep. like what does uninvited mean mm-hmm. like did someone come knocking on the door and then mikey williams came to the door and saw who it was and said don't come in my house and they all came into his house because the the cut and dry the cut and dry point a to point b description of this story looks really really bad for mikey williams right mm-hmm because what happened allegedly is that Mikey Williams shot a gun at a car that had five people including minors in it right like that's like that is what is being described as as the incident so that that looks really really bad right if, if that is it, you know in a vacuum so there are a lot of things that I would that we have to to be careful about what about the implications that are being made which is really tough that it, which is part of the reason why it's really tough that these kind of things have to play out on social media because there are a lot of jumping to conclusions and um and that's just a dangerous game to play with a guy who like probably his basketball future is riding on how this plays out because if he's found like that like <laughs> Like if if and there's certainly an argument that shooting at a car as it's driving away, like there's never a situation. There are very, very, very few situations where that's a legitimate uh, response. But uh, and it's probably likely that this wasn't one of them, but still, like if this ends up on On the really bad end of the spectrum, then michael Williams' basketball future has probably changed forever, and a guy who has kind of been touted as an n b a quality player since he was sixteen years old uh now now not totally sure what his basketball future looks like,
1: yeah yeah i don't I don't really have too much to add we need more information and to see how this all... I think I saw that he's he's appearing in court on Thursday, if I read that correctly somewhere.
0: I do think it's soon. I don't remember if I saw a date specifically, but I do think it's soon.
1: Yeah, so obviously, you know, we got to wait and see how this plays out because you're right. The... If... One of the lessons that got reinforced this college basketball season is that whether you're facing chargers or not matters, and this is not the most important conversation to have, but it's worth bringing up. Whether you're facing chargers or not significantly impacts your ability to be employed slash participate in college basketball.
0: That's a good point. So it's something that we'll certainly have to to take into account for sure.
1: Yeah, it certainly doesn't look good for the reasons you laid out. You know, but you think Brandon Miller, you think Chris Beard, right? Mm -hmm. Everything changed with Chris Beard. Chris Beard suddenly became employable again once the charges got dropped. Yeah. And this is obviously a very different situation. So it's going to be interesting to see how Memphis handles this as well. They're basically saying nothing other than we know it happened. We're monitoring
0: the situation. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Which is probably the smart thing to do. Yeah. And probably the
0: responsible thing to do. Mm -hmm. like at this point like it's different from it's different from i think it's not quite the they're not in the same situation that alabama is in at least not yet like i guess i suppose they could be i suppose we could get to that point um and maybe not quite if considering that nobody died in the instant but but still i think like it would be jumping to conclusions for memphis one way or the other right now
1: Mm -hmm. and And i'm sure
0: they know more than they're telling us but that's also the that's also their prerogative to yeah. to make decisions publicly as information becomes public. yeah
1: and and even at that point, I still would argue there's a a major difference in terms of what they know. Mm-hmm. Right? Probably, this was yeah. something that was independent of independent of the school, whereas
0: on the other side of the country,
1: yes, Alabama had information immediately. <laughs> And also didn't even put out the kind of statement that Memphis put out mm-hmm. saying, in terms of, of Jaden Bradley and Brandon Miller, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. Not, didn't even give the full, we are aware that all of these players were at least somehow connected to this, were present when this occurred. Yep. So Memphis is already even a little bit ahead in that aspect. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. It's a, I don't feel anywhere near as strongly that Memphis needs to be super proactive and super transparent with with this cuz and yeah, it, and it's not fair to Mikey Williams either, right? He's he has a right to let the legal process play out and we'll see what the kind of the legal case his team builds actually ends up being and what kind of approach they take. Yeah, just Thankfully, nobody got hurt. Mm -hmm. It's another – just another very sad story that, yeah, could have serious consequences for one of those names that you just were always kind of had in line as one of the next big things in the sport.
0: To kind of put a bow on this here, um, uh, would you – do you think Mikey Williams will will ever play a minute of basketball with Memphis on his chest? (sighs)
1: I had to guess now qualifying it with Memphis, I would say no.
0: I I will probably lean in that direction. Yep.
1: I don't I don't see this getting resolved quickly. To the point where he's a member of that team next season.
0: Kind of thing. Yeah, I I think like, I find it hard to believe. Like, I, I like I, I would be surprised if we get to, like, hearings and, and any and further investigations and it just – we find out that Mikey Williams wasn't the one who shot the gun, which is the most likely outcome. That, and I just I, – the most likely outcome for me to lean towards him playing. Where it just kind for, of all goes away. Right. I yeah. just find it hard to believe that on – in the middle of April – or early April, end of March. Um, I just find it hard to believe that a recruit can shoot a gun at a car and then six months later will be playing college basketball. Mm-hmm. I just find that a little hard to believe. Um, yeah, yeah. More so about you know his just the the optics of it than mm-hmm. whether or not what what the, the what the um, sequence of events that led up to him actually you know. Firing a yeah. weapon, so but we'll see. We'll continue to monitor it, and if there are things that come up that we feel like we need to touch on, we uh, we certainly we certainly will.
1: What I could see is a sort of time heals all wounds situation, potentially, depending on again. Right, this is a felony charge.
0: Mm-hmm. N- big deal. Very much so. Very much so. If
1: somehow this ends up looking much better for Mikey Williams even if it doesn't all go away. What I could see is a potentially if he was interested, ending up later down the road at a different school.
0: Which, I could see that as well.
1: Now the probabilities of that, if he's also able to enter the NBA draft, then also, you know, do NBA teams want him? There are so many questions right now. Yeah, I, I don't see him Suiting up for Memphis, though, if you're going to make me choose one or the other.
0: I'm sorry to put you in that position. I had to, you know, I had no
1: choice. From a practical standpoint, that's <laughs> that's the the college basketball question. So
0: mm. certainly not the most important one, but yeah. I think one for the the context of this mm-hmm. year podcast. One that's Absolutely. at least worth exploring. Um, shall we go portaling? let's do it. Um, okay. So I've got, I've got a few things here. You say, you say you have a collection of, of just thoughts and tidbits and, and things you'd like to get to. So, um, do you have more than that? Do you have like, just, do you have like a dozen little, little trinkets or more is or it less. more? Okay. So I'll let you go. And I'm guessing I have a couple things here that are kind of, I have a couple team specific things and then a kind of wide arching thing. So, um, I'm guessing we will overlap. So I'll let you go mm-hmm. first and just kind of jump in where I may.
1: Yeah, I've got a few teams I want to talk about and then just a couple developments. And we're going to do this in pieces.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so this is part one. So I'm focusing on the people who have already committed because then we're going to get to part two. We got plenty of time to break this all down as more more people commit. Sure. The first thing that stood out to me so far is what LSU has done. They're my big early winner in the sense of team that needed to improve its roster the most, not replenish, but actually get better from last season and the progress they have made towards that. Jalen Cook comes back after a really good stint at Tulane. Now, this is the one big thing I do have. Jalen Cook is already transferred. He transferred from LSU to Tulane, and now he's transferring back. Are these guys just going to get a second free transfer? because there are multiple of them. So it seems to be to be determined whether he can play this season. The cynic in me just assumes if he's transferring again, he's going to be able to play somehow, way. Maybe that's just me being too cynical, but
0: mm-hmm. when it comes
1: to the transfer portal, I have a hard time being anything other than cynical. <laughs> yeah. So that is my big kind of overarching question is, do are there guys who are actually going to sit out that have, that have already used their one free transfer. We'll wait and see. But, right, one of the top players in the portal, LSU gets him back. Then you go add Jordan Wright, who was essentially 10.5 and 5 at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And you bring in Will Baker from Nevada, a kind of versatile big who can stretch the floor. Maybe not the best rim protector in the world, but it gives you some kind of offensive flexibility, a little bit of a different look offensively, skill, size to fill this big hole that you needed to to figure out what you're going to do in the front court. Again, right? This is a team that was not good last season. Those are three major pickups, assuming Cook plays, that for a program that was just, you know, had, had a lot of work to do to get back to where they were under Will Wade really really nice progress from LSU it's a really good sign that they can continue to win these kind of recruiting battles and again in the transfer portal world it doesn't take much to turn your program around and LSU are on the right path with those three guys that was one of the first things that stood out to me
0: yeah i i i, I was going to save this this point for for the end of the podcast but it's kind of just going to be one that is going to whittle its way through everything so i'm just going to bring it up now and it it includes lsu and it's it's just when you look at the the rankings like the 247 sports rankings of of like transfers only like not incoming classes no recruits involved when you just look at the transfer rankings uh on 247 sports what you see is a a uh a reinforcement of this idea of it just doesn't take that long to turn your program around now. Um in the top 11 of the 247 sports rankings for transfers only. And granted there are a lot of guys that haven't transferred yet. So we'll so these will change a little bit, but still Georgetown is number 5. 7 and 25 219th at Kempom did not make the NCAA tournament and it could get better because yeah, Hunter, right. Dickinson, is not, because Hunter mm-hmm. Dickinson is not because Hunter Dickinson is not Transferred has not uh, announced where he's going to play college basketball next year, and Georgetown is on that list. Yep. Number six, West Virginia, nine and 15, 19 and 15, 19th at Kempom. They did make the tournament, but well, I'm sure we'll talk about them here mm-hmm. momentarily because they've also had a very, very nice portal yep. so far. Florida, number seven, 16 mm-hmm. and 17, 74th at Kempom, no tournament. Michigan, number eight, 18 and 16 the number eight in the portal rankings, 18 and 16, 44th at Kempom, no tournament. LSU to number too. nine, LSU number nine, 14 and 19, 151st at Kempom, no tournament. And then the last team on my list where I stopped here because my, I'm getting my point across um, Nebraska, number 11, 16 and 16, 94th at Kempom, no tournament. So um, it is just not, uh, I need a few years is just, becoming less and less of an excuse for for coaches and for coaches that i'm sure generally speaking that coaches don't love how the transfer portal works now um that's another part reason why if i was a coach that like that would probably be the highest thing on my list like forget the everybody leaves kind of thing like you just don't have like your leash isn't nearly as long as it used to be right it used to be all right let's take a look like four years like and instead of you being like, there's starting to be rumblings in year four. Like, if you aren't good by year four, you're like not going to make it to year five, like ever. And um, this this idea of just being able to turn your program around quickly. Now, granted, um, I haven't, I you know, there are plenty of guys that haven't transferred yet. I haven't looked super deeply into all of those classes, so I'm not saying that all of those teams will now be top 25 teams necessarily. But my point being is that the transfer portal has enabled programs to turn things around and get high quality players really fast. And it doesn't really seem to matter how like how you did the previous season just doesn't seem to play that big of a factor into it. Um, And uh, you see it again with at least these early portal rankings with still uh, a good amount of guys still waiting to still waiting to commit.
1: And for a lot of, for some of those teams in particular, I'm thinking Florida LSU Nebraska, there are spots and there, are, there's playing time, right? Which is one of the ways that you sell players. Same thing Kansas State did. We don't have a team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you come here, you're going to get to play because we don't have players. <laughs> now and it's then, not uh, exactly the same because you know those teams aren't making coaching changes this season. But right, you know if you're looking to as you're a and a lot of these guys going to these programs are mid major guys. Right. You're looking for an opportunity to play at the highest level and to set yourself up for a professional career. Why not go play for an analytically driven Todd Golden at Florida, when you know that they need help. LSU is still kind of trying to get back on track. You know, what kind of resources, what kind of potential that program has, why not go play? You know, there, there is a, now, if you're Hunter Dickinson, it's a different conversation because Kansas is coming after you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was talking with my dad and stepmom about this this weekend, this idea of if he wants to go into a national championship, he's going to Kansas. right? Most most guys in the portal aren't thinking that way. He has that ability because of what he's accomplished at Michigan. Yep. Most of them are looking for an opportunity to go play at a higher level and to prove themselves. And Nebraska, LSU, Florida are going to give you those kind of opportunities where if you went to – just pick a random team out there. I mean, we'll stick with Kansas, right? You're not going to get that same kind of opportunity. Mm. Just ask our boy, Joseph Yesifu, you know? Mm. um,
0: And like, this is also a list of, of programs that have deep pockets. That's the other mm-hmm.
1: thing. Yep. Like absolutely. these are,
0: sure. These are, th- this is, these are six programs. You know, one of these programs is a Georgetown team that just like, that's just a program that is going to have the financial backing to put to yep. put money in the pockets of players that want to come play for them. Um, or that might come play for them. And then it's West Virginia, Florida, Michigan, LSU, and Nebraska. Those are yeah. those are five schools that that uh that their football program has been very generous to the to the depth of their pockets, right? And um that's that's also something that you like you're just not gonna see a ton of kind of Cinderella transfer ranking teams, right? I mean, and there are some other teams up here that had good seasons that I like Cal is tenth right now with two commits. Um, one of them being a four star transfer. Um, but Cal is another team that like because of their place in, you know, as a Pac twelve team, they're going to have some and their location is also helpful. You know, Berkeley I've heard is pretty nice. Um but um also some some other things to keep in mind. But that was, the, that was kind of – I figured it was going to come up several times, so I thought I'd just, just bring it up now about the things we're starting to learn about the transfer portal year over year, um, kind of fitting the narrative we've seen the last couple seasons.
1: Let's talk about West Virginia real quick then since they were kind of – I have a different section of teams I want to talk about next. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Very. think uh, Jesse Edwards, really good get in terms of just kind of, I mean, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. Interior presence, rebounding. He can score a little bit. He's not going to carry an offense, but he can, right, super efficient, knows how to get the ball in the basket and contribute on both ends of the floor. And then, (laughs) Kirk Chrissa. (laughs) This is my. There's a whole list of them, and I'm saving those guys for the end. I have no idea how this is going to go, but I'm fascinated. He's one of those guys. Him and Bob – and just the idea of him and Bob Huggins too. Mm. They are –
0: Doesn't totally compute. Yeah,
1: not exactly similar personalities. No. I am very excited to see how this plays out.
0: (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, hey, if Kirk Russell wants to come play for you – you're probably going to let Kirk Chris come play for you, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in a because Kirk Chris is somewhat polarizing. Maybe it's just because he wears a headband, but, um, but certainly a guy that I think I think West Virginia last year kind of hit a ceiling of of talent. Mm-hmm. That that like I mean, nineteen the, the metrics loved West Virginia last year. They still only went nineteen and fifteen, and. But at some point, right, like their their team just wasn't talented enough to yeah. really compete for a Big Twelve title last year. Um, they they were no they, they were a team that nobody wanted to play. But um, when you can get some talent like Jesse Edwards, who had a really 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 productive season at Syracuse, and a guy like Kirk Crystal, like those are the type of things that can, you know, that that's a swing you're willing to take uh, to see if you can raise the 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 floor of your of your talent on yeah. your roster.
1: And from Chris's perspective, I have to imagine this is part of the decision for him entering the portal and transferring. He's never going to get that kind of responsibility at Arizona.
0: Probably not.
1: Right. The team, there's too much around him. And there's a good chance Ryan Nembhard also would have been on this, is going to be on that team next season because of his connections to Tommy Lloyd. We'll see if that ends up happening. Mm. But he is going to have a role that is much larger than anything he would have had at Arizona. And so to me, that's, that's how I'm rational. And maybe it's something else. I would have to assume it's that, that let's see what, let's see what I can really do. Mm -hmm. I've proven I can play at the highest level. So I'm going to stay high major, but what else can I get? You know, what other, what kind of expanded role can I get? And to your right, to your point, this is a team has a very good foundation, a very good coach, Looking for how do we take that next step and not just be competitive in the big twelve but get to being in the top half of the big twelve mm-hmm. because that is no easy task and welcome Houston right <laughs> so yeah that that is how it makes sense from a a fit standpoint from person first pers- the personality standpoint we're gonna have to see how this goes
0: and it's in and, and, and like I feel like like Kirk Chris is the type of player that I feel like. Like, if, if you can't find a way to make Kirk Chris a fit into what you do on the floor, you're probably just doing some things mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. But it's also not the archetype of player that has a ton of success at West Virginia, right? Like, it just, there are some, like I said, it just doesn't compute in some ways, but mm-hmm. it's Especially undeniable after, that Chris is, is pretty talented.
1: Yeah. And you just, you know, what, what Eric Stevenson went through last season.
0: Right. Totally.
1: He had, he and Bob Huggins had their, I don't
0: know, I, Differences?
1: <laughs> differences, yeah. Maybe that's how we'll put it. You know, it. it's not like this is unprecedented or that Bob Huggins just kind of lets players do what they want. Right. So well, maybe there's maybe there's a perfect plan in place and this is what Chris is looking for and it's going to work perfectly. I'm just, I'm looking forward to it. It's another storyline in the Big 12 and I'm always here for that.
0: 100%. Where do you want to go next?
1: Let's stay in the Big 12 and talk about the two teams that are kind of connected that are on the other end of the spectrum of national title contenders, starting with Houston. Okay. I'm very interested by this Houston off season. So they lose their guards, right? Tremont Mark transfers. We'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> and Marcus Sasser is gone, so they need to replace these guys. So they go land Damian Dunn from Temple and L.J. Crowder from Baylor. Which, in theory, you combine that with what they had on the bench that didn't get to play much last season and what they're getting, bringing back, they look awfully good on paper. No Mm -hmm. surprise. What I'm curious about is the LJ Cryer part of this. Because it seems to me he is going to be in about the exact same position he was last season. He's playing alongside a small guard who is going to be the primary ball handler. Which makes them vulnerable defensively. Now, Jamal Shedd is a very good defender for his size, and Mm. this is Houston, so they have a way to compensate defensively in a way Baylor didn't last season. I'm just curious about what, how he's going to fit and what his role is going to be. Mm. Because I don't see him being the There's no way they're taking the ball out of Jamal Shedd's hands for LJ Cryer. With all due with all due respect to LJ Cryer, right. Marcus Sasser, that's a different conversation. But if I if if I'm Kelvin Sampson, I want the ball in Jamal Shedd's hands.
0: Mm.
1: So this I so he's I, I'm just I'm curious about this and what it's actually going to look like with those two guys and whether there are going to be some defensive concerns playing both of them. When LJ Cryer is coming from a team that in large part, because their guards weren't good enough defensively and weren't big enough, had a lot of defensive shortcomings coming to the best defensive program in the country.
0: My, my, my wonderings to your wonderings would be, would be the following one. I think I think maybe LJ was trying to get out of a situation where the coach there just had his feelings about him and they weren't going to change. Right. Maybe it's sure. like, maybe, like, if nothing else, like he has a chance to prove to Kelvin Sampson that he can be an offensive, an offensive choice that's equal to Jamal Shedd. Um,
1: and that's, and, and to be clear, I, it's, To me, those are two different things in terms of primary ball handler and offensive option. He's 100% a better scorer than Jamal Shedd. I'm not concerned about that part of it. I'm just a, in terms of a role, I don't see him, if you're thinking about transitioning to the NBA, being able to display your skills as a point guard in particular. Mm -hmm. That's the part I have a question about. Oh, he's going to score just fine. From a needing to replace Marcus Sasser's points, this makes all the sense in the world. I'm looking at more from an L- LJ Crier development standpoint. Does that make sense? Sure.
0: Um, I also would just not be surprised if he's not that concerned about it. I think, like, like if he if he develops as a point guard but only scores nine points a game next year, nobody in the NBA is going to care. Like, sure. you just you sure. just have to like you whether whether NBA scouts are going are ready to admit it or not if you're going to be a score force guard in the NBA which is what LJ Cryer would be if he makes it if he mm-hmm. carves out a spot for himself in the league then we got to start with you putting up points and mm-hmm. start with you also getting a chance to do it in the tournament deep into it and those two things combined like it looks like there will be points for him to be had and oh, yeah. Houston looks like they're laying the foundation to be a top 10 team again and be a team that has uh, aspirations of winning a national championship.
1: Yeah. And there is absolutely a hole that need to be filled. And if you're looking at guys to fill it, he's up at the top of that list, especially guys in the transfer portal.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it does. And yeah. They got two really, really good scorers to kind of back up this defensive foundation they have. It's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out. That was just a, a I was very curious to see where he was going to go, and so mm-hmm. it just—it makes me wonder about what the thought process was. Not in a judgmental way, sure. but just what exactly was he looking for in the portal? Can
0: we move to the the team that that one of those Houston guards transferred to? Yeah, can that's we talk what I about next? Can we talk mm-hmm. about? I mean, sorry, not Houston about Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Arkansas. You know, they're doing it again. Here they are. <laughs> here they are, active in <laughs> the portal again. Um, they already have, they are the number one ranked transfer class, uh, according to two, four, seven sports at this point. Um, at least I think they are, I had a tab here and it went away. Great podcasting here. I had a tab. It went away, but I'm pretty sure that it's them in Indiana that are, that are there at the top right now. Anyways. Um, and it could get better, right? I mean, we're looking at a, a class that, that already includes, um, Jeremiah Davenport from Cincinnati, Tremont Mark from Arkansas, Keon Min- Minifield from Washington, and our boy from Butler. Look at this, Caleb Battle on his way from Temple. Uh, Caleb, a guy who had who who went to Temple and had um, certainly got to do some more of the things that it uh, looks like he would be good at. Now he's at Arkansas, and Tyler Perry could be on his way to to uh, the North Texas guard. Could be on his way to to arkansas as well he has not committed yet but he's doing this thing where he keeps taking pictures on his visits and then posting them to to twitter and then putting hashtag not committed which i think is just which is just so mean like if i was a a, a, a florida a florida fan and i'm scrolling through twitter and i see and i see tyler perry wearing a, a florida jersey I like I'm jumping to conclusions immediately. <laughs> but then you scroll through his timeline and he's got pictures with Arkansas, but he has been to Arkansas and is at least considering them enough to take pictures and then post them on on Twitter to to get a reaction. So it could get better. The must bus is uh is gassed up and aplenty as it has been every offseason recently and uh and Arkansas is reloading once again.
1: Yeah, and whether they get him or not, you know, must just go find somebody. Yep.
0: Oh, I'm <laughs> sure there are more. There, there will be more.
1: <laughs> he's got 15 backups in the portal ready to go. I am sure. Yep. If one of them doesn't work out, yeah. Uh, no surprise here, and that's why I wanted to distinguish between the improving and the reloading. Mm. And you know, they're still waiting to kind of figure out Devo Davis, what that's going to look like in terms of his NBA future and whether he's coming back. Uh, Tremont Mark to me, might be the – I'm trying to figure out how I want to phrase this. Maybe the kind of under-the-radar transfer that has the biggest impact this season because he's coming from a team that was just not designed to let him score 18 points, right, because they all scored 12 And he was certainly part of that. He is awfully impressive, though. And you let... If RC4 can do what he did last season, imagine what a guy with Tremont, Tremont Marks' resume could do for a team that needs guards, that needs scoring, a scoring punch to make up for all the guys they lost after last season. I am a huge fan of that move. You mentioned Menefield. I mean, 10-3-3-1 is a freshman at Washington. Maybe he's not a huge difference maker right away, but he's also a guy that you've got a bunch of eligibility left and will just continue to get better. And then, yeah, you've got the Kale Battle part of this. Again, Kale Battle is already transferred. Does he have to sit out? Who knows?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's... There has been some concerns throughout his career, but if, if this works and if he's eligible and that guy is kind of your, you know, role player, sixth man,
0: seventh option,
1: right? Your extra (laughs) scoring option. My goodness. That's terrifying. Mm -hmm. So I will need to see it actually work and see him take the field. This take, take the field, take the court this season. But yeah, right. That that's kind of the other guy in this transfer recruiting class so far, which tells you just how much work the must-bus is doing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I I would be I would be curious to hear Musselman talk about the Caliph Battle acquisition, to use a term that should never be used at the <laughs> college level, but I'm gonna use it anyways. Um Cause we watched Caleb battle play for a year at Butler and, and he like, it's not like he's been like, he's dealt with like, he wasn't good at Butler and he transferred and then he was injured at temple for like two straight years. He played 18 games across two years for temple before last year where he scored, where he played in 27 games, started eight of them, um, scored a bunch of points, right? 18 points a game, 41 35 90 splits there so like clearly a guy who can who can score the basketball but also a guy that still didn't become a completely bona fide starter at Temple and that's not what he would be at Arkansas anyways but I am just um I'm curious like because I'm sure like I would love to hear what Eric Musman kind of envisions for Calph at at Arkansas because it's probably not quite as extensive as what Caleb imagines for Caleb at Arkansas. Um, I'm just, that's one of those, one of those moves that I find really interesting because it's also not a move that I would, that I would expect to really further his, his stock as a player at the next level. Like, I just don't think he'll have enough room to, to do that. So um it it's another one kind of that fits in the LJ Crier category of would would just love to to know the the no uh, uh the no filter reasons why why that was the decision that they made.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cuz Caleb Battle could have been like a like a guy that was fighting you know, like first team all AAC like kind of kind of score next year if he's, you know, if you're playing 32 minutes a game next year for Temple, and in theory his his um, his um efficiencies go up, his scoring numbers go up, like that's – there are multiple ways to get recognition, and uh, we'll see if it works out at, uh, at Arkansas.
1: Yeah, and there was a coaching change in Temple, so maybe that's part of this. Sure, sure. And I think at one point that used to be a reason why you could transfer without penalty, right? Which is probably why he won't have to sit out. And I'm assuming – yeah, I – because okay. according
0: to 247 Sports, his eligibility is immediate.
1: Okay. Does it say that about Jalen Cook too? I'm curious. It did. It did. Okay. I got to do some more looking into that then. Yeah, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm just not even going to pretend like I understand how this stuff works. We're just going to have to see. And you would assume if they've got – that somebody's given them some kind of positive feedback if they transferred a second time. So, right. At
0: this point, I'm just assuming that everyone's going to find a way to be <laughs> right. immediately eligible. Right,
1: right. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I the the word that comes to mind for me in terms of why what Musk would say is upside, right? He has a scoring ability you can't teach.
0: Mm-hmm. If you
1: only need him to do that, <laughs> you're in really good shape because maybe mm-hmm. he's not going to do the other stuff for you, but they got other guys to do that. Yep, so, certainly. Those were the, those were the teams that I okay. wanted to highlight, kind of having strong starts to the portal. Um. I'm going to
0: keep it rolling. Then uh, I want to go to, I want to talk about Indiana for a second.
1: Yeah. I had one of Indiana's transfers on this list of players I want to talk about. Yep. Um the, the first thing I, I, the first thing I
0: want to say is I just, I like, I should have seen this coming, right? Like that at some point, Indiana was going to be a place. Like if they had a little bit of, if they had a little bit of, success like that would be a place that we're probably that 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 they were going to move into to and that was going to be kind of the next step in upping you know going from the the talent kind of dropping off after trace jackson davis and and jalen hutchifino into okay now we've got you know four or five guys that are like really really talented college basketball players and we're not depending as much on the you know Jordan Geronimo's and and Tamar Bates's of the world, and kind of looking at at India like at Indiana's peak as those guys being really good because that's just not a peak that I mean Indiana fans can go to bat for those two guys if they'd like to, but like they were way more frustrated with Tamar Bates on, mul- on more occasions than they were thrilled by his play. So um, th- it makes all the sense in the world to me that Indiana is at least early in this process at the top of. Uh, at the top of these rankings that they were able to land a guy like keller because when you have a guy like mike woodson and you have the history of indiana and the pockets of indiana and the support that you're going to have for that basketball program it's it's easy to see why guys would want to come there they were just kind of missing the the hot commodity aspect of it and the you know sexy destination of that's a program that's playing well right now and uh, the direction that Woodson has that program going, it uh, it makes uh, a lot of sense that they're now a place that some of the best transfers in the country are considering playing for.
1: And <laughs> it's just so perfect that Kellaway is the guy headed to IU because I just see so many similarities between the two mm. in terms of and. I was talking about this at the beginning of last season after watching some of his highlights. It is so easy to talk to you, to talk yourself into this guy. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. And then he went to Oregon, and he couldn't really get on the floor. Which is kind of, the, you know, the, you can look at that IU roster last season and tell yourself it's the best in the Big Ten with all these guys coming back. And you and I both said, that doesn't mean it comes to fruition and they just jump everybody. And we mm. were right. Yeah. Now it was somewhere in the middle because they had a very good season and obviously made a an important step. And like you said, establishing Indiana as a factor at the top of the Big Ten again and kind of getting Indiana back to where Indiana should be as a factor on the national stage. A team that can go knock off number one Purdue on multiple occasions, you know. Mm-hmm. It can go win the biggest bas college basketball game on a given weekend kind of thing. What does Kel where become? There's a gaping hole there. He's in theory a perfect fit to go replace Trace Jackson Davis. He can even do some of those things and a little bit more. Now what he doesn't have is the polished, you know, post game and just kind of feel the trace that made Trace Jackson Davis so good.
0: And I think the idea is that maybe Malik Renu will be that guy alongside Kellower.
1: Right. And they, and you can see how those two guys fit together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot, a lot of sense. You're also just assuming he becomes something that he's not at this point. Which is where I feel like this is just a a fitting player to come to Indiana because that was kind of the whole conversation of last season. Is I can see how this goes excellent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I need to actually see it happen though for me to tell you that's what it's going to end up being
0: and there's a you know there's also there's there's a world in which i mean right he only played 18 minutes a game so when you go to his i mean like keller per 40 numbers look really really good i mean his per 40 is 17 10 and three and three and a half blocks like like there's there's a, I, I'm much more interested in trying to talk myself into, okay, if Kella aware is going to get to play 29 minutes a game instead of 15, that like, that's just a different conversation to mm-hmm. me than Tamar Bates and basically the same amount of playing time is going to become twice as productive. Sure.
1: Does now, that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Now my pushback to that is that wasn't a Donovan – I would argue that wasn't a donovan Klingon situation or a Zach Eady situation where you go, well, no, duh. Once, those other, once he's outside of those other guys, he's just going to continue to produce at that level. Sure. I expected him to kind of take that center job. Right. It was a he didn't win the position battle kind of thing. He didn't earn more playing time. Now, if they had other options at center.
0: Uh, great. It's not like it. I mean, it was in Folly Dante. Right. That it, was right. Another position. former so five
1: star. Right. Right. Who, you know, certainly had maybe he wasn't everything that Oregon hoped he would be, but certainly was a productive college basketball player. Yeah. So there is part of that. 13, which is where,
0: eight, 13 and 8 is what uh, in Folly Dante averaged yeah. last year. Just so
1: for you what it's can, worth. Yeah. So you right. You can talk yourself into saying, look, maybe it just for whatever reason didn't work perfectly. Dana Alman preferred these other guys, specifically Dante. So you give him that opportunity. He's going to run with it and be excellent. Certainly a logical thought process. It's just not as obvious to me or just something you can assume the same way it would be as oh, Travion Williams is gone. Zach he's going to play 29 minutes a game. Zach is going to average, you know, 20 and 12. Sure. And then. He obviously even exceeded that, but you just knew based on, you knew that it wasn't a Zach Eady couldn't do it. It was a, we have another all-American caliber player right in front of him that is blocking his path. Same thing with Donovan Klingon.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, there's of course a, 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 there, some of that, I mean like 97% of transfers kind of fit into that bubble sure. a little mm-hmm. bit, but yeah. Um, But certainly if, because Indiana's recruiting class is not exactly knock your socks off this year. They don't have that. They don't have in the class of 2023, that Jalen Huchafino type recruit, their highest ranked recruit. That's coming in as a freshman is a six, one guard from Ohio named Gabe cups. That's the 88th ranked player in this class at two, four, seven sports. So it's going to be important for, because when you right, they have another guy that's top 115 in Jakai Newton, who's also a guard. So you bring in Peyton Sparks from ball state and you bring in Kella where from Oregon and, and, and paint sparks a six, nine guy, a, another big body. Um, so, so certainly shoring up the front court with the moves, but it's not like those um, like that is very much a part of, the foundation of next year rather than Mm -hmm. like the cherry on top or the icing of next year. Right. That there, there are plenty of of holes and questions about Indiana's roster next season. And these transfers are going to be a big part of kind of filling it.
1: Right. He, this isn't just a, maybe I have more opportunity. This is a, he is supposed to be a key piece to what this team is going to look like, yeah. which is a role he has not, right. A role he did not play at Oregon, which is basically my point. Yeah.
0: All right, we've officially knocked on all of the things that I wanted to knock on. What do you okay. What do you have What do you have left?
1: I've got two real quick things. Let's do Staying it. Staying in the Big Ten. Ace Baldwin following Mike Rhodes to Penn State. Love yep. it. Love it. And love it. Love
0: it. Locked in.
1: <laughs> I don't really have too much else to say about it. Now, this would be even more interesting to me if Michael Shrewsbury was still there. Just a Penn State becoming kind of the team with guards in the Big Ten. mm mm-hmm. But,
0: but he's probably not there if if Mike Shrewsbury is there,
1: yeah clearly he's he's a mike Rhodes guy
0: mm-hmm. so
1: i'm I am excited to see him in a at a higher level in a spot where he's gonna have so much responsibility because he was really really good for v c u so that's that's gonna be a fun big ten story, and then the final thing I wanted to talk about real quick is just I'm calling it the wild cards,
0: okay. Hit me! Give them all to me.
1: Or maybe I should have called it the Wild Guards. Ooh, I'm in. That's too. That's good. I'm in. I'm locked in. Going from in kind of reverse order from least wild to most wild. <laughs> I'm really curious about this Jaden Neps to Georgetown mm-hmm. move. It's been a little while since he committed. Super super high on him. He had a you know a very promising season for Illinois. What does that next step look like? under Ed Cooley at Georgetown, he's part of this. Yeah, you can rebuild it really quickly because he's going to be an impact player. How much does it matter if they don't get Hunter Dickinson? You know, there's just some some uncertainty in terms of whether... And I'm also bringing this up because at least the first, th- first three guys on this list I'm not sure how much of a role they're going to play in the college basketball season. So I wanted to mention them now.
0: Okay, sure.
1: (laughs) Because if, well, sorry, having all kinds of vocal difficulties (laughs) here, Right. if, if Georgetown don't kind of get the transfers, they need to really improve. You might not hear much from Jaden Epps. So I wanted to Mm. mention that now in a similar vein, Brandon Murray's now at Ole Miss. Speaking of Georgetown (laughs) Mm -hmm. back in the back in the SEC super right, he was another one of those guys great freshman year at LSU, and then you just didn't really hear much about him because Georgetown was bad and Ole Miss probably isn't gonna be great either, so I wanted to mention Mm -hmm. that. Similar Sky Clark, Louisville. Can he be part of turning that thing around? What does that even look like? It's a big gift for, for Kenny Payne to get somebody of Sky Clark's cl- caliber at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Just
1: with everything that's gone on there. And then, finally, the most wild of the wild guards. We gotta talk about Caleb Love going to Michigan.
0: Dude, it's so good.
1: <laughs> I mean, they need somebody to take shots. I. I get it. I'm not sure it's going to be all that helpful or impactful, but they need somebody to take shots.
0: Mm-hmm. I like, I'm not a, I'm not a Caleb love fan. So I like, like, it's just going, like, it's going to be wherever he goes. It's going to be the North Carolina effect. It's either going to be, if he's playing the best basketball he's played in his career for a eight week stretch, or are going to go to the final four. Um, And if he doesn't, which is basically his entire college basketball career, other than those eight weeks where they went to the final four, then you're just going to be left kind of feeling like the team that he's on isn't as good as it could be. And, and just doesn't reach its potential as, as often as you'd like it to, because just the, the business of Caleb love is that sometimes it's going to be really awesome. And sometimes it's just not. And and he's going to be the dude, and he's going to take a lot of shots, and yep. it's going to be a volatile season, I think, for Michigan as a result. Or he's going to be the national player of the year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, the difference is there's nobody he's taking those shots from, right? No. There is no no R.J. Davis. There is no Armando Baycott. If Hunter Dickinson was still there, this is a different conversation. So how much can – if he's supposed to be the guy taking the shots, how much can he actually hurt your team?
0: I mean, it, like the, it's a fair point, but it's still the 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 point is still the same. Yeah. sometimes oh, he's going to yeah, go yeah. thirteen of right. twenty six, yeah. and sometimes he's going to go six of twenty six.
1: Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be a thing that occurs. You just don't know what you're going to get every single night. Yeah. I. So I do. Because I'm with you that fundamentally, I would. I'm not all that intrigued by the idea of adding Caleb Love to my team. If you're going to lay out a scenario, I guess this is my point. If you're going to lay out a scenario in which Caleb Love can have the greatest impact and makes the most sense, this is the kind of situation I would envision. Mm. Okay. Because what I don't want is him minimizing the impact that other players can have because that's what happened to Armando Baycott. We've been on sure. this all season.
0: Sure. Yep.
1: Because we are past the point where you can say, well, maybe Kale Love figures it out. Maybe Kale Love changes. No, Kale Love is who Kale Love is. He's played way too much college basketball at this point. Yeah. To assume something's going to be different. And if you're Michigan, a team in need of a good season with some frustration from the fan base, with not all that much to get excited about in terms of the roster, he gives you something, right? Because he gives you the ability to win on any given night. Yeah. I'm kind of getting to the point where, to me, it's a risk worth taking. Does it also limit... It, it simultaneously elevates and limits your ceiling, right? <laughs> Which is a weird way to put it. Because... It's pretty accurate, though. <laughs> over Elevating ceiling, and limiting. Let's get it on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> simultaneously, he's a ceiling raiser and ceiling limiter. Because, mm-hmm. right... He's going to frustrate you to no end at sometimes. Sometimes he's going to be the best player in the country. And it's all just going to kind of fluctuate. But if if you're saying, where can Caleb Love kind of do the most good, help a team the most, fill a need the best, this is the kind of situation because they need, I mean, Jawan Howard needs talent. They need experience. And Caleb Love, with all of the other things he's going to bring, is going to bring those two things as well.
0: Also worth mentioning that Namari Burnett
1: will join him yes. in Ann Arbor. That is going to be some kind of backcourt. <laughs>
0: yes it is. Yes it is.
1: <laughs> all right, you got anything else? No, that's that's all I had. Yeah we're gonna have to do you know NBA and I we'll have to talk, maybe next week NBA draft decisions. We've got the, the deadline coming up. Of mm-hmm. course we will also be returning to visit the portal again with multiple times yeah with all of the the still uncommitted players certainly it's just that weird time and this always makes me laugh where all of the the players simultaneously you get the you get the trifecta where they maintain their eligibility enter the transfer portal and declare for the nba draft that's correct (laughs) that's correct it's so you just have no
0: clue what that means it's so good so good. They're just doing, and right. now they I can like, have an agent
1: still like, right, and exactly. they still be in and like Right. You just so explore good. all your just I could do anything I possibly want. I could return to the school I played for, I could enter the trance. I could transfer somewhere else. I could go to the NBA. I'm gonna do it all and then I'm gonna make my decision. So we yeah. haven't gotten to that point yet. That's kind of the next step in this is okay, now we know who's staying and who's going. Now those guys have to make decisions about where they're gonna play if they're mm-hmm. the ones who are returning, and then we get a better feel for what next season's gonna look like.
0: There you go. And we'll be back to talk about it. We'll do oh, yeah. we'll, we'll do our best to tackle it. Here we go. We'll 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 elevate and limit. Is that what you said? We'll ele- elevate and yeah. limit. That's so good. On a t shirt immediately. Um, but yes, as as things continue to uh, to develop in the transfer portal. This was just kind of the here's all the things we've been thinking about the last awesome. uh, the last yep. couple of weeks. Throw Let's get together. them all on paper or an audio file I suppose but there will be plenty of time to return to the transfer portal as we get a better idea of what next season's college basketball rosters are going to look like please subscribe to the jays for days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts, follow us on Twitter at jays 4 Pod. check out the YouTube, the Twitter, all of those fun things and, uh, and we'll be back next week Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays Today's podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.